welcome back to the Get With The Grove podcast. I'm Maddie. I'm Malcolm. And I'm Zoha. For this week's episode, we are going to be talking about disabilities and how to be an ally. Before we begin, we wanted to cover a couple of terms that we will be talking about in this episode. The first one is disability, which is an umbrella term for any impairment that makes it difficult for an individual with the, condi- with the condition to do certain activities. Next one is ableism, which is the practice um, and dominant attitudes in society that devalue and limit the potential of a person with a disability. Next one is physical disability, which is a disability that affects a person's mobility, dexterity, stamina, balance, and sometimes pain. Another one is non-evident disability, which is a disability that is not obvious to observers such as chronic illness. Yeah, so this week's episode, I think we're going to be sharing some personal stories and how to be an ally to a person of disability. So without further ado, um, I want to say thank you to Zoha for joining us for another episode. Malcolm and I are so lucky to have you again <laughs> yeah. um, on the podcast. And would you like to give us a start and a little bit of an introduction about who you are? And Yeah, um, so... As Maddie said, my name is Zoha. I've been on several episodes. <laughs> um, Probably more than I have. Uh, possibly. I'm not 100% sure about that. But um, yeah, I identify as a person with disability. And I guess a little bit like a background about my experiences as, um, as a person with disability growing up um, and navigating the school system and also just the workplace in general um, as a person with disability. Um, so I was born with my disability. Um, I don't know if you, I would categorize it as a physical disability or a non, um, evident, non-evident one, mm-hmm. but I guess it could be both, uh, but not, I personally just wouldn't like to disclose what it is. Of course. But, um, it was really difficult, um, kind of as a young person navigating my disability because I just didn't know a lot about it, um. I just knew what my parents told me. I just knew what my teachers told me. Um, and I personally just didn't know how to um, exist with it in the world. Um, the school system was kind of also really difficult to navigate because, um, you know, there's always systems in place that are meant to help you as a youth, mm-hmm. um, as a person with disability, but they're not always successful in doing so. Mm-hmm. Um I think the most evident or like the most um, prominent thing to me uh, navigating the school system as a person with disability was that the help was very contingent on if I, if I, not that if I benefited from it, but if it was easy for them to give it to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt like my needs were never fully prioritized. Um, it was more so, you know, if it's convenient for them, they would do it. And if it wasn't, there was always an excuse. So that was a really challenging thing to navigate as a young person. And I, I, I understand and I can appreciate that a lot of our audience members may relate to that. Uh, and that's where the Grove comes in. You know, I didn't have a place like the Grove to reach out to, to kind of, um, help in navigating this kind of stuff. So it kind of it help it allows me to appreciate um, a system like this in place, mm-hmm. like the Grove. Would you yeah. say that um, once you got to post secondary, 
mm-hmm. you felt more supported or less supported in the education system? I think with specifically with secondary school, I, I again like I would I like I want to highlight that like they tried their best, but I think they just didn't know how to help in a more productive way. Yeah. Um, but I to give them the benefit of the doubt, they tried. <laughs> um, and they may not have had the proper training for they that may have not because i feel like there's so many like we discussed there's so many varying disabilities and yeah. um you know everyone's disability looks very different you can have the same disability as someone but a completely different experience so i can i can resonate with the how difficult it may be um mm-hmm. for a professional a teacher even to help a student in that situation but in terms of post-secondary, I think with University of Guelph, it has been very different. Um, in a better, in a better way, better. in a really, in a, in a refreshing way. Um, I've gone through several uh, academic advisors, but every single one of them have been very supportive um, and very accommodating. So, if you don't mind me asking, what are some things that? the education system has done to help you with your disability? Um, I think the most prominent thing that stands out to me is actually like my experience in post-secondary. Um, just allowing me the space to, you know, be myself. Um, I think my academic advisors have really, that's been a priority for them is to allow me to ask for help, to allow me to space yeah. to feel comfortable and safe to ask for help, which is, I never felt that um, growing up. So that was really refreshing and that was really appreciated um, because I feel like now I'm much more comfortable talking about my disability, but also like asking for assistance when I need it, asking for that accommodation when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, the, that's one thing. Yeah, I feel like the support around helping those with disabilities has definitely improved in recent mm-hmm. years. Yeah. I, I wonder what it's like in high school and grade school for youth nowadays, because yeah. mu- I know it would be much different for what they're experiencing mm-hmm. than what we used to experience when we went to school yeah. several years ago. Yeah. Malcolm, do you want to share a little bit of history? Do you feel comfortable? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyscalculus when I was around... 11 or 12 years old, I believe. It was very young. I used to act out a lot, and I was very, very hyperactive as a young kid. So I was medicated within a couple weeks of my of being diagnosed with ADHD. I remained on... I remained, diag- I remained having medication until I was around 15 years old when I decided that I wanted to stop because it was imp- imp- impacting my appetite and I wasn't able to eat proper amounts of food. But I feel like in grade school, no one really knew what to do with a kid with ADHD. Nowadays, it's much more common. And I feel like I have met so many people with ADHD and it's it's spoken about so wide, widely and people are trained with how to support us. Mm-hmm. And back in grade school, I felt like when I was the only one in my class, I believe, who at at the time was diagnosed with ADHD, I was very much singled out whenever I was in a hyperactive state. And I don't blame my teachers. They just didn't know how to deal with me. And I would often get kicked out of the room or sent to the principal's office, punished just for 
being a little hyperactive and moving. My, I was constantly moving my legs and I, I, I was a bit of a disruption in class, <laughs> but I mean, aren't we all? So, yeah. Did you ever have any experiences of allies when you were younger? Like any like figures in your life that helped to make a difference in a positive way? Oh yeah. Um, the majority of my family is actually has been diagnosed with ADHD. So my older brother who had already gone through grade school and he was quite honestly, he had even worse ADHD than I did. And he, he always supported me and told me how much better it is once he got to high school. And when I made it to high school, actually my school at WCI back in Waterloo was surprisingly good with dealing with it. They had a whole support system. I was able to take tests and exams in a separate room so that I was able to focus on my work and just the difference in that was was far better than what I experienced in grade school. But even in extracurriculars like basketball and dance, right. those those people who are teachers, just they haven't gone through teacher's college and that sorts of yeah. things, they had even less experience. So they were very poor at dealing with those sorts of reactions. I had a, I would like to echo that because I feel like that. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I feel like... And I don't blame the teachers. I think there's just a lack of like training and like diverse training, mm-hmm. um, which impacts like how teachers um, kind of navigate dealing with youth that have a disability. Um, and because not every disability looks the same, mm-hmm. not even like the same disability looks the same, it makes it much more challenging. Um, like in terms of like allies for me, I had a very similar experience as well. Like I had a brother who grew up with the same disability. Um, Obviously, he. This is really interesting to me uh, to kind of realize. I feel like I struggled with it more than he did, mm-hmm. um, even though we have the same exact disability from mm-hmm. the the same exact. Um, so that was kind of a challenge growing up. Um, I feel like having a disability also impacts your mental health, and how that is really intertwined. In many mm-hmm. ways, and that's what I struggled with, like because I do have a vision-related disability, so I feel like my t- teachers and supervisors, and even my parents, sometimes kind of neglected to recognize how that impacted my mental health, mm-hmm. um, and like just kind of existing that with that in the world, but also how that impacted my identity, how I was, how I felt like I was being perceived, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I don't know. There's it, this is this topic is so intersectional, especially you know how is it impacting youth from diverse cultures having a disability? How are they navigating mm-hmm. the world? There's a lot of different factors yeah. that can come and play a part, and how allyship plays a role in that. Um, these are like important questions to kind of yeah ask. So yeah. we were talking earlier, Maddie. Are you comfortable sharing your yeah. experience? So. I am similar to Malcolm in the sense that I, I also have diagnosed ADHD. The difference between us is I went most of my life undiagnosed and without the knowledge that I did have a disorder mm-hmm. where it affected many parts of my life. Um, growing up, I remember school was hard and I remember just being told like oh if you can't focus it's because you're athletic or because you're a girl and you want to be doing other things 
And it was really only when I got to university and I remember doing everything right. I was like, I'm taking my notes. I'm going to my classes. I'm doing everything that I can, but I find trouble in focusing, in maintaining organization in like so many different areas. And I met a couple people who had ADHD and they were like, have you ever considered being like tested or going to see mm-hmm. your doctor about it? And I can't even explain how validating it was mm-hmm. to finally get the results and think that there was nothing wrong yeah. with what I was doing. It was not knowing that this mm-hmm. was a disability yeah. that I had. Yeah. And... Um, the difference that it made when I was medicated and when I even just had the knowledge Mm -hmm. that this is not my fault. It's not even a fault in general. It's just something that I need to take into account when I think about like, oh, why I wish I would be able to focus today. Yeah. And it just, it made me less harsh on myself, which is really important. Um, but yeah, I mean... I feel like there's also a little bit of a stigma around yes. medication and mm-hmm. people having yeah. ADHD and just being considered like lazy yeah. or not being able to focus. So I feel like with like non-evident disabilities, there's also a stigma around like, oh, is it even considered a disability? A disability? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is, uh, I think, is really harmful for a lot of folks that have ADHD or yeah dyscalculus or even or another non dyslexia yes yeah, non-evident disability yeah um i do feel like in society when you hear disability immediately i think physical yeah and mm-hmm. i i'm at fault for that all the time and mm-hmm. i forget all the time that there are so many disabilities that yeah. you can't see you may not be able to tell you could know somebody most of your life and not know that they do have a disability mm-hmm. but i can say that the difference it makes to be an ally yeah. and to support a person with disability it makes such a big difference it makes a huge difference i f- i want to like recognize that how difficult it may have been to you know be, be diagnosed as an adult yeah going your whole life going without knowing life. I, c- I can't even imagine yeah. yeah i mean it was it was kind of like a weight lifted off of my shoulders to think like yeah. Yeah. you know this is something that i've suffered with and only suffered with it because i didn't know yeah. and because i didn't have supports that i could have received yeah. yeah um i was fortunate that many members in my family had already been diagnosed with adhd mm-hmm. but there are several families where maybe the youngest child or right. one middle child happens to have adhd but the rest of the family is is lucky to not yeah. and yeah. They just go their whole lives without knowing, and they just think that there's something wrong with them when in reality they they have a disability. Yeah. Um, So with that, I feel like it's important (laughs) that we talk about allyship. Yeah, because we can be allies as well. (laughs) Yeah, and I think before we kind of jump into allyship, we should be sort of kind of discussing, like, disability etiquette. Yeah, Because it goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. Um, So what is disability etiquette? Um, I think it is important for everyone to kind of be aware, you know, as we... As to not, like, offend anybody anybody who has a disability, um, it's just important to be kind of, like, cautious of how we are yeah. approaching that conversation um, and be, like, very aware and very of how we are approaching the discussion. Yeah. Actions, words that we use, right. um, things that we post, mm-hmm. um, 
you just have to be mindful of what yeah. you say. But yeah, you never know how your actions can impact someone. It, you may say something that seems like just a regular Tuesday conversation, but that can yeah. stick with someone for the rest of their life. So, Zoe, what are some terms? I think we kind of brainstormed a couple yeah. terms that are um, outdated. And, and now I want I want to just trigger warning. We don't yeah. like. We just want to. This is just for the sake of raising awareness. These are just some terms that. We should avoid. Mm-hmm. And what we can replace them with. Okay, so some outdated terms um, include confined to a wheelchair, hearing impaired, handicapped, and we don't want to say this, but the R slur. So these are all terms we want to avoid when we mm-hmm. are interacting or just navigating the world as a person with disability um, and just to ensure we have um, inclusive language when we are talking to folks with any disability yeah or just anyone in the community um so instead of using terminology that is harmful to the community and to ensure adequate allyship we can use terms like wheelchair user hard of hearing disabled or intellectually disabled um just to again ensure inclusivity yeah so I do feel like it's important for everyone, whether or not you do identify as a person of disability or whether you're an ally, to educate yourself on how to be respectful to those in the community. Um, because as we know, the times are changing and with more evidence of um, people who do have disabilities, it's important that we respect um, them as a person, and we use our language as a way to be inclusive and respectful. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that folks know the ABCs of allyship. So the ABCs of allyship include awareness, behavior, and consistency. So awareness is important so everyone can increase your awareness through education. So learn about different disabilities, learn about how disabilities can vary. The same disability can vary between different individuals. It's important that you do your own education so that you are a better ally. Um, Behavior. Educate yourself in order to change your behavior. So I feel like once people have a better understanding of disabilities as a whole, um, you change the way that you act in a more respectful manner. And consistency. Focus on creating a routine for yourself. Mm-hmm. So practice those yep. those important skills. And with doing those skills, everyone can become a better ally. Yeah, and never expect yourself to be perfect right off the bat. That's what the consistency is all about. You just you just want to try your best and always be be help, be helpful. Yeah. So I think that's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you again, Zoha, for being another guest on the podcast. <laughs> we are lucky enough to have you two yeah. weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, and I hope everyone enjoys and learns something from this episode. Yeah, we will. S- I guess you will be hearing from us on our next episode in the Allyship 101 yeah. Yeah. series. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in for this week's episode. And remember, be kind to your mind and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.